0: Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to talk about quickly something that is important. And I trust that I'll be able to hit the target in this small time allocated. Amen. I'm going to talk about hindrances, hindrances in our journey. Hallelujah. The question is can a child of God be hindered? Amen. Can a child of God be hindered? If yes, what are the reasons that can cause that? And lastly, we're going to see what are the solutions offered by the scripture or by God. Amen. Hindrances in our Christian journey. According to you, can a child of God be hindered in his walk with God? Can he? Okay. Let's take the scripture in the book of First Thessalonians, chapter number two, verse 18. First Thessalonians, chapter number two, verse 18. Okay, let's read it, one, two, three. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Read it again, one, two, three. three. wanted to come to you, I, pour again and again, but Satan hindered us. That was a letter written by Paul to the church of Thessalonica. Paul said, I wanted to come. Amen. Understand here, I wanted to come. What that, that implies, it implies that there was a starting point and a finish point. It means that Paul had a dream to get somewhere, some, in some place. But that dream could not be fulfilled because it was hindered. How many people have dreams with God and you want to go into a certain place with God, but yet it's like you can't get there. No, please help me here. i we in a house where your heart knows where you should be right now. But things are not aligning for you to get there. And Paul was in the service. It means that he was serving God. He was not going to Thessalonica to visit, to have good times. He was not going for a holiday. He was going for God's purpose. Yet he was hindered. It means it's not because you are doing something for God that you can't be hindered. It means it's not because God has spoken to you that this is going to happen in your life that you can't be hindered. Actually, the main frustration of Christians today is the fact that they know where they should be. But there is a problem. Where they should be and where they are now, there is a gap. They know the grace of the Lord upon their lives. But it's like something is not letting them go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Paul said, Again, I tried. I've prayed. Maybe i fasted about this thing again and again. But something is not adding up. And the conclusion of Paul is that the circumstances that are preventing me from going cannot be from any other source but Satan. Paul was not meaning that Satan came in front of him and said, hey, You're not going, you're not going. No. That's not what he meant. It meant that circumstances were working against him. Now, for your own understanding, some scholars of the scripture believe that what prevented Paul from going was a misunderstanding between Silas and Timothy. His two companions. Some scholars believe that Silas and Timothy were not in agreement of that trip by that time. And he tried his best to convince them that this is what we must do, and because there was no agreement, he couldn't go. That is scholars of the Bible. But what we can draw from this scripture is that somewhere, somehow, something prevented him, and the thing that prevented him he identified as satanic. So it means Satan might not appear physically, but he can orchestrate things around you that can create a delay in your life. Hallelujah. He can put you on a path that can delay you. You know, some of the people, what delays them is that they entered a wrong open door. They had no discernment. You know what happened to me? This week, I got a big offer, a big offer to broadcast all my messages throughout the United States. And when I went into prayer, the Holy Spirit said, you don't do that. And I declined. If I accepted, by next month or whatever it is, my face would have been all over the United States. But when I asked daddy, he said, You don't do that. And I don't understand why. I have to explain myself that maybe it's the finance or whatever, but I didn't have a conviction. Although it was an offer on a silver platter, it was good meaning people, people that love me, that say, We want to help you with your ministry, and we want to put you on the air in the United States. And the Holy Spirit said no. Because I understand that entering a wrong opportunity can delay you and backtrack you. It will seem good now, but in few months, you realize that I shouldn't have. Although it was good meaning people, it was, it was not demonic, it was good people. Good people. Sometimes our inability to discern causes us to enter things that God has not put in front of us. It's not the first time. My dear wife and I, we have many opportunities. eh? We can count them to be on. (laughs) Yes. But every time the Lord said no, no. And I started to get frustrated. I got an offer of an, a house in Texas. I say, if God tells you to move here, we want to give you a house. God said, no. I said, my God, a house in Texas. Hi. What is your business? I thought you want to bless me. There are some hindrances in our life that are not caused by obvious things. They are caused by things that are subtle. Do you know that the enemy can use your own emotions to create hindrances in your own life? It will create a stirring around you and the misunderstanding with you and people can cause a delay in your life. Because if you don't understand that God has brought you a destiny helper and your mind is not caught up in the thing of the spirit, you can delay the process yourself because of your misreading of situations. Hindrances. Some will say hindrances. Hindrances are not necessarily a fact of sin. Let me tell you something. Most of the believers don't want to sin. I say Most. Most believers don't want to go out and sin. Amen? If you ask, if you do a survey, most believers will tell you, I don't want to sin. And yet they do. So between the desire and the action, there is something happening. There is a spiritual component in the life of each one. And if you don't know how to handle it, you do what you don't want to do. Although your intentions are good. People are hindered. Why? Because their destiny will be a release for many people. You know what that, that uh, guy that studied the Bible told us one time? He said, when, Abel, uh, when Cain killed Abel in Genesis 4, and God says, the blood of your brother is crying to me. Now, the English rendering of that and the English interpretation is that the blood that was spilled, it means that his blood that was spilled is crying to God. But that's not how the Hebrew people understand it. They understand that generations that were supposed to come to this world of the blood of Abel are crying to God because the door was shut for them to come. So whatever happened to you, don't affect you, it affects generations. Because because generations are supposed to reap from your obedience and from your steps with God. Therefore, the hindrances is not just toward you, it's toward generation. Paul was not hindered so that he won't travel. He was hindered so that Thessalonica will not hear what he has to say. So your hindrances in life is not just connected to you. It's connected to generations. You're frustrated. Oh, my God, help me. Yeah. The frust- little frustration that the devil brings in your life that causes you not to pray anymore. Thank you, Jesus. He's approving what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the- things that cause you. Yeah, because Jesus, the Father, came to say, My Father is talking to me. <laughs> so, le- listen. Listen. Christians don't understand the importance of destiny. Because you are on the course of your journey and somebody comes and annoys you. You know what you do? You stop and you face that person. Sure. And you start to have things in your heart toward that person. And the moment you do that, you are shutting a door. <laughs> uh, because it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. Therefore, the small hindrances that can cause you not to Advance in the kingdom shall be put in front of you by the devil, so that when you bite on it, you get stagnant in your work. And the more stagnant you are, the more those who are supposed to come to Christ for you are waiting. That's why the Bible says Let lay aside every weight That so easily ensnare us And let us run the race with perseverance Looking unto Jesus The offer and finisher of our faith Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross What I'm trying to tell you tonight Is that Jesus could have been offended Yeah Yeah. He could have been offended by by, by those who were killing him But at the cross he knew If he took offense he won't rise so he said, my father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Offense is one of the biggest hindrances in the life of Christian, Because offense has the ability to pin you down. Jesus wouldn't rise from the dead if he did not forgive his killers. Because he knew that this is bigger than those who are killing me. Hallelujah. It's a matter of world destiny. It's not a matter of Jerusalem. It's a matter of world destiny. Because if I refuse to forgive, I will not conquer death. Because something of death would have been in me. John 14, he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. As long as devil has something in you, you cannot conquer him. Come on Hindrances are real Hindrances are real That's why you must set yourself You must set yourself That doesn't matter what happens You you know better than that I know better than that I I know better than that I know that I'm not in for myself I'm in for destiny Again and again I tried But Satan hindered me Satan used the dispute among two people to stop the destiny that Paul was supposed to reach in Thessalonica by that time. I I don't know what he can use around you. Maybe with disappointment in your heart. You haven't forgiven even God because you didn't get what you wanted to get. Some of you are offended at God right now because God promised you something that seemed not to happen. And you're back. Off from him, you can't pray anymore, you can't trust him anymore. You say, I don't know anymore. Do you know what? You are being hindered. Hallelujah! Hindrances are real, hindrances are real in Christian journey. Hindrances are real, and and Satan is a master. He, he, uh, he is a master in putting together elements that will cause hindrances to your life. You know what? You know what? There is something you must know. Satan has no power to stop you. The only power he has is when you allow him. Amen? He will. He, will he, he couldn't put the fruit on the mouth of Eve. But he has to show the taste. He has to show that the fruit is good. He has, to, he, has to, he has to suggest things to Eve. And Eve now has to take it by her hands and eat it. Because Satan couldn't put it in her mouth. Hallelujah. Everything you fall in, Satan did not make you fall. You know what he did? He offered you an opportunity. And you bought into the opportunity opportunities will be given to you to to, to fall away from the grace. Are you going to take those opportunities or are you going to refuse? Refuse to take the opportunity of Satan. Mm. Mm. Even, Even for those who are married, you know what I'm talking about. You can be offended at your spouse. Yeah. You are on the same bed, but you are not on the same bed. Your body is there, but your emotions are not there. So true. Hallelujah. And, and, and for those, even if you are not married, you understand that you go to work or wherever you have people in your life. People are people. Ah, I say people are people. If you don't understand that, you will mess up. People are people. And and, and, and there is no man on earth that cannot disappoint you. Doesn't matter his anointing. There is only one that can never disappoint you. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. People can disappoint you, but God cannot. Put your trust in the Lord and will establish you. Hindrances. These are the things that cause hindrances in our lives. Situations. People. Amen? Family matters. And the biggest of all, church. <laughs> church is a place where most of the people take offense. Offense. <laughs> because church is a place where we have become oversensitive. It's a place where we think we should be given opportunity. And when the opportunity is not given, I take offense. Because I came in with my gift and my gift is not acknowledged. Therefore, I take offense. Yeah. Oh, I've been in this for many years. I've been pastoring for how many years now? I know this I'm talking about. And that people are taking offense. Hallelujah. People are taking offense. Because Christians don't understand how to celebrate one another. They have that thing that unless it's me being used, I cannot celebrate. They misunderstand the component of a body. And not only, not only they get offended because they are not used, but they get offended because they are not used where they want to be used. Hindrances. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. How can you ask me to be an usher when I'm a prophet, when I'm an apostle? All right. All right. All right. Oh, my people, let me tell you something. Humble yourself before God and He shall lift you up. I was in Pretoria and I went to a school of the prophets. Headed by Aniki, Anita Giovannoni, when I got there, they asked me to take the offering, not to preach, to pick up a basket and go and take the offering. Not to preach no, I, wait. wait. <laughs> so I was doing that, taking offering. And, and you know, the worst of all, sometimes I carry a bag, carrying the bag of a woman, African man. You don't know what it does to an African man. <laughs> it breaks your ego, man. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about us. We didn't grow up like that. <laughs> Where I come from? Mm-mm. The man walks first. And the woman comes beyond. We didn't learn that open the door for the woman. Let her sit first. No. No worries. We didn't grow up like that. <laughs> Men don't do that, yes. and when you do that, they say your wife controls you from where I'm coming from, yes. so you must show you are tough. So, you see what people do in my culture they will call their wife honey, honey. When they get to the family, they call her by her own name, yeah. they don't say honey and all this stuff because they don't want to show the weakness of a man. I don't know if you know what I'm not talking about, you, I'm talking about us. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So, it's, so for me, for me to be used that way was an offense to my culture. Because before I came to South Africa, I can humbly submit to you that I was not, I was, I was not somebody that had nothing to do. I was a preacher. Amen. I preached on good platforms there. And when I came... I became a I moved from Elijah to Elisha. I have to pour water on the hands of a prophetess. And then somebody prophesied over me. He didn't know what he was saying. He said, God says God is telling me that you shouldn't be discouraged Because he will will use you. He was trying to encourage me as, you have nothing. (laughs) 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 But we see your heart. Hey! (laughs) Nah. So, you know what God did? One day there was a group of a prophet and they asked us, To prophesy over one another. And the Lord gave me a word to one. And that causes stir. Hey, this guy, the offering taker. Oh, you can see in the spirit, he's not. It's not that guy we thought he has nothing to do. But you know what? I have to learn it and not get offended. I was never offended because I was not used. Actually, I had too much trouble to at that time I was too much in trouble to think of being used. It was a blessing that I I could carry a bag. People, I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you came to the ministry. But I want to tell you, God cannot use you if you don't test your hearts and your attitudes. I've seen it. People come to us and the first thing they introduce themselves I'm bishop or I'm pastor so and so. And I say thank you bishop. I know your heart. You don't come to me like that. Let me recognize what God has put inside of you. I don't need you to tell me. Offense. Say offense. offense. Offense is a hindrance. Yes. Yes. And you know, people will be positioned in your way to do things that you are not accepting. Even to accuse you of things that you didn't do. It all attests. How are you going to react when they accuse you like that? You said they will accuse you wrongly. They will spread rumors about you. They will say things that you have not done. How do you react to that? It's a test. You shouldn't get offended. It's a rejoice because this is the way they treated the people before you. Hindrances. Hindrances. These are the things that cause people not seeing breakthrough in the church. Hallelujah. A place like divine Eh? Do you know people can get offended Because they are not falling Talk to me What is wrong with me They don't know It's not about falling It didn't say I'll call you and you will fall It's not about the falling You must go up and understand that faith is not by feelings. Yes. Let me address those issues. Because I know people are taking offense. You know how I move? I move like this. I look at you and I pass. Why is he passing me? Why is he not praying for me? He's ignoring me. I am not ignoring you. I move on God's commands. I'm not picking who I must pray for. I pray as I'm carried along by the Holy Ghost. If you have a business, talk to the Holy Spirit. This church needs to move forward. I must break the offense. So that we may go to another realm of grace. Offense must go from your heart. Today is today, you know. Sean told me a story. Come, son, come. Big guys. My people are big. Sean, explain to them how you felt ignored. He said to me that I will pass, and I said I didn't see you. Tell that story to be speakful, and tell them what happened to you. Quickly.
1: All right, so the, it was, I can't remember, a few years ago, uh, it was one, uh, it was during those times when we had Wednesday, Sunday service, Wednesday, Sunday service, and after one service, uh, when we were talking here in front, uh, Prophet saw me, and he, and he sort of was surprised to see me, he said, oh, were you here at the service? So I said, yeah, of course, I'm here at the service. So he said, I didn't see you, so I thought, all right, well, that's not my problem, um, and then he said, but you must pray that I see you. So I thought that was kind of strange. But I thought, okay, now I'll, I'll pray that he sees me. And uh, next service, I didn't really know what to pray. So I just said, Lord, you know, please let Prophet now see me. I don't know how this works. <laughs> and uh, service came, went afterwards. He saw me. He said, oh, were you here? <laughs> I, I said, yes, no, I was, I was here. He said, oh, I didn't see you. So I said, all right, no, that's fine. Um, Next service came, prayed again, um, didn't see me. And uh, so I started moving around strategically (laughs) where I was sitting now. I I know I was one time, I was was sitting here in the aisle sort of in front, and I thought, you know, the only thing left now is either wearing a reflective jacket (laughs) Or or coming to sit in his seat because he's not seeing me. But it was getting annoying and sort of frustrating because this was now, I think, seven services, eight services, maybe more, that he wasn't seeing me. He said, listen, you must pray that I see you. And then the one day I was sitting there, more or less where Rom is sitting now. And uh, I was frustrated in my heart sort of in a sense. But I said, Lord, you know, today I don't care. I don't care if prophet sees me, oh, yes. but today you must see me. Yes. And it was, it was as if it was five minutes you were ministering, still it was in the beginning of the service. And you walked past and you turned back and you looked at me and you said, today I see you. <laughs> and uh, I just knew that the Lord said to me, listen, I mustn't take it lightly when, when there's ministering in the, in the church because it's Him that is ministering to us. Yes. And
0: you know his attitude, he said, Lord, I don't care if he sees me. I want you to see me. So, people take offense because I didn't lay hands on them as if it was in my hands. As if it's not from the Lord. Repent, therefore, and come to the Lord. It's not about the minister. It's about him. The lady said to Jesus, I will be healed. Jesus said you have faith. It took the lady to be persistent and just stopped for her. People, don't take offense. Don't let things annoy you so easily. It's an hindrance. Now I'm finished this part. Now, what are the solutions that the Lord gives? Amen. Amen. What are the solution the Lord offers? <laughs> because hindrances are a system organized by hell to stop you. Hindrances are spiritual. All these things are spiritual. Therefore, you cannot solve them by your own strength. You need a higher force to solve them. The thing that solves the problem of hindrances is called the presence of God. Hindrances can be spiritual or physical, but they all take their source from the spirit. Remember when Paul and Silas were in prison, it was a hindrance for them to preach the gospel. The Bible says at midnight hour at 16, they start to sing praise unto God. So in this situation, they elevated themselves above the situation. And then they start to magnify God, regardless of their pain. So when somebody tries to annoy you, and you, have, you put your eyes on Jesus, it will not annoy you, because your eyes are not on him, but on Jesus. When they start to sing, someone says that the prison shook. And you know what? The Bible said the prison shook. The Bible never said the prison was broken down. But the chains fell. Do you know that chains are a picture of hindrance? The chain fell. Why? Because they decided to magnify the Lord even in the current situation. The hindrance was broken. Hallelujah. They were freed. Save a presence. If you focus on God and not on your circumstances, hindrances have no power to stop you. Second example comes from the book of Acts, chapter number two, 12. Acts 12. Bible says Peter was in prison. And uh, the church was praying for him. And suddenly. An angel came in the prison. Listen, I don't want to put all the scripture very difficult for us. We can't advance. Then the angel came in the prison, and they said the door opened by their own accord. The hindrance fell because the presence of God came into it. But now they say when they came to the iron gates that gives to the city. Oh, this is prophetic. Do you know that the city means destiny? So there were small, small gates, but there was a bigger gate that was closing the door to the city. All the other gates fell, but that gate was still waiting. And when the, when the angel came to that gate, then he opened up. So when the other gates were being opened, this gate would not, wouldn't open because it's a, bigger, it's a gate for destiny. So, Satan is willing to let you go on small stuff. Let's go to Egypt. Let's go to Egypt. He said to the people of Israel, said to Moses, you can go and worship, but leave your woman and your children behind. What does that stand for? Woman is a picture of fruitfulness." Children are future. So he said, you can serve God, but be unfruitful. You can serve God, but don't have a picture for future. You can worship God, but worship him in a dead way. Satan can let you worship as long as you are not fruitful. He will not prevent you to come to church as long as it makes you feel good and you don't repent. He will, will make you sit in the assembly of the people of God as long as it's not challenging. Leave your women, leave, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. leave your children. And Moses has the intelligence to say we will not leave them behind. Everybody from the little to the woman to the animal, we are all going to worship because I cannot be freed by section. I want to be whole. We are all going in the wilderness. So let's come back. The gate given to the city opened. And Peter came out. He thought he was in a dream. Because the deliverance was suddenly. Overnight. And when he came to himself, he realized it was the angel of the Lord that has set me free. Somebody said the presence. That's why you have no business neglecting the altar of his presence in your life. You have no business neglecting the presence. Amen. When the presence of the Lord goes with you, hindrances fall by themselves. You need to understand that. And the presence of the Lord will give you the ability to discern which door is from God and which door is not from God. Christians shouldn't move by opportunity. They move by the leading of the Holy Ghost. Opportunities can come and they can seem a door. But those doors have many traps. You just need to move by the sensitivity that you have of the Holy Spirit. In a way that if the Holy Ghost said no, even if the door is open wide, you don't enter it. Come on! It's not because you fall in love with somebody that you must marry the person. (laughs) It's not because your feelings are stirred that it means you must marry a person. You must bring your feelings and falter them on the altar of sanctification of the Holy Ghost. And when he passes that test, then you can say, now I know. Because marriage is based on destiny, not feelings. Somebody can kill your destiny in marriage uh, because you grab the wrong one. And then that person becomes a hindrance. I'm preaching to the young people now. And, 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 and the non married people, because the people are so desperate that they rush through a door that is open that is not God. And when they end, end up saying, I do, then the nature changes. You're allowed to marry the tiger, someone that is not dealing with your destiny. You want to serve God, the guy wants to serve something else. That we're so much in love that we didn't have discernment to know that this is not the proper. I cannot be unequally yoked. I cannot put a bull and a and a donkey to plow the land together. It's unequally yoked. So those need to be examined. On the lights of the scripture and on the light of your own destiny that God has told you. Is it the passage that the destiny should take to be there where God wants you to be? Or are you engineering your own destiny by manipulating your own circumstances? Somebody have to answer. It will cost you when you walk like that. It will cost you things. It will cost you, it will cost you things because. The doors that are opening are beautiful doors. I can't tell you the amount of doors that open sometime in front of me. Amazing doors. Sometimes I think, God, if you say no, then you don't like me. <laughs> beautiful. And I'm not bragging Up, My dear wife can tell you. Many. There are some doors. I step out. I got in. I stepped out. Because the Lord says, don't step out. I stepped out. Hallelujah. She's, she's anointed, but we're waiting on God's timing. You understand? I have friends. I have friends. That can... Help her like that. Uh-huh. She told me, you don't do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I have tried sometimes to open the door for her. And said, you don't do that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The presence of God is the best thing that can ever happen to you. Your passion for aligning yourself to his will is the best gift that you could ever. That passion, that desire of not feeling what God has brought you here on earth for is your secret for success. When you become so so line up with the fact that doesn't matter the door, I don't want to enter, and I hear God says you messed up. I don't want to meet him and say, I don't know you. Therefore, I must do what I can to be aligned to him. We started with his feelings. We went through the doors. And now I'm telling you, your appetites for his presence or your addiction for his presence is your ticket for success. Addicted to God. Addicted to his presence. That's your ticket for success. The last scripture is what we read. The presence, I'm going to give a second key. I read it in the morning in the book of Psalm 24. Amen. Psalm 24, this one we must read. I think it's from verse 8. If I still got a remembrance. Hallelujah. Psalm 24 from verse 8. Okay, let's go to verse 7 because I think it started a bit there. It says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Let's go. Lift up your heads, o, you gate, o gate, and be lifted, O ancient door, that the King of glory may come in. Now, verse 10. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts is the King of glory. I explained to you this morning that this gate we are talking about. Is not is no any other gates, that the gate of hell. Amen. Yes, ancient gate. I explain to you, when Jesus rose from bed, when Jesus went, he died. He went to hell, and Bible said he preached the gospel there. When he was coming back for resurrection, there was a gate that he need to pass through. In, in order to get to life. And that gate refuses to open. And the gate say, who is he? And we have to tell the gate, he's the king of glory. The gate say, who is he? Three times. Listen. Let's go, let's go back to verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7. He says, an ancient day that the king of glory, call him king of glory. Then the gate say, Verse eight. Who is the king of glory? He said, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The gate was not convinced. And the gate, go, they said, lift up your heads, O gates. And lift them up, O ancient door. The king of glory may come in. The gate said, who is the king of glory again? And then the last answer convinced the gate. He said the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The identity of the Lord was supposed to be revealed to the gates in order for the gate to give way. There are some stuff that won't open unless they know who you are. When he talk about King of glory, that's a mystery word for the gates. But when you talk about the Lord of hosts, we get to understand that all the hosts of heaven are in his hand. And when we talk about the Lord of hosts, we get understood that he is superior than any other thing. Then the Bible will say, Scylla, peace. It means a pause. It's like we are writing and suddenly there is a silence. Because of the reverence of the men at the gates. And the gates need to open. So the king of glory may exit and come against the end of the living. Because hell wants to keep him. But hell could not keep him there. The gate need to open up. Because there is a gate that, that is between the dead and the living. You need to understand that. When you die, there is a gate. You know, those two worlds are parallel in a way. You are sitting now, somebody stabbed you, you have the other side. Do you understand? It's just that you, choo, you are gone there. <laughs> There's a gate that you don't see, that the dead enter. Amen. Amen. But to be resurrected, you need to come from the same gate. Yes. So, so you can't be resurrected unless you conquer the gate. And let you conquer the gate of death. You can't come back to life. The Bible says he conquered death. That's your scripture. He conquered the gate of Hades. And he came out of that gate with power in his hand. But the conquering force was in his identity. What will cause the hindrances to let you go? In when it's what you tell them who you are. You are a child of God. Anointed by God for a purpose such as this. And no hindrance is able to hold you down. Because you are a destiny carrier. When you start to state those things in line with your heart. Power is vested in those words. And suddenly the gate will open. And let you through so that you can fulfill the mission of God. You need to be confident in who you are. The, the, the one that is speaking there is not in doubt that it's the Lord of hosts coming. But Christians are I afraid. I afraid. I was listening to a testimony of a guy. I was, I was blown away. He said, elderly man of God. He was here in Johannesburg. <laughs> and he uh, said that he was sitting there and they brought a woman, the woman, among the passengers there was a woman on a wheelchair, and so the Spirit said, "Pray for her." I'm talking about you are dead to yourself, and because you won't do this type of thing if your ego is still there. Pray for her. You see, I say, God, this is South Africa. I'm a Nigerian, and this is a white lady. I want. You see, three times, God says two. He's stood that. Don't do that. Eh? Unless the spirit come, He said, he pulled that lady like boom from the wheelchair. And what happened? Happened. She fell. He said, when the lady fell, I heard a whistle blowing. The next moment, I was pinned down by the security people at the airport. He entered on this They put him flat. He said, they took him. <laughs> they locked him in an office. And they say, we're going to deal with you today. Why did you assault that lady? He said, the Lord said, I must pray. They say, you didn't pray. We saw you. These are the cameras. You pulled that lady down. You have, he said, is a man of God. They put him on the ground. They say, sit down. You say, I sat like this. I say, my Lord, I hate you. That was the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't like her anymore. And if I can get out of here, I will never pray for anyone again. He said, I was complaining in my heart. I said, Lord, I'm humiliated. He's a well known preacher in Nigeria. I'm humiliated. And he said, they were dealing with him. He said, we were harsh. I was on the floor. There were chairs, but I was sitting on the corner. And they were writing, we were preparing his case. And then they said, Bring the lady so that she can. Put the charge against this man. They look for the lady and see her. After a few minutes, he walks in a white lady. And she said, Where is the man that prayed for me? They said, Who are you? He said, I'm the lady on the screen there that he pulled. When I hit the ground, my legs became strong. She was healed. And he said, The officer that was sitting on the table said, Sir, please stand up. They put him on a chair. And they say, what do you need? He said the first thing, I said, I need a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, the officer that pinned pe- that him down, he's the one to make the coffee. He said, then I was like, oh my God, I feel myself now. <laughs> At the end, he was escorted to go to board the plane. Why? Because he realized that his own self is nothing anymore. He' sold out to God in a way that could obey a prompting without thinking because he was nothing anymore. It was God or nothing. Yes, he got offended but he said, the Lord shamed me and I have to repent. How far are you willing to go with God? How far are you willing to go? Are you still full of yourself? Or are you full of him? Are you still caring about your name? Or you are caring about his name? Which identity are you working on? Are you a South African? Or are you a man from Zion? Who are you? Who are you? I told you. That you were. Made in heaven, just assembled in your family, and you were dispatched to your generation. So, by nature, you are not a South African, you were just assembled here, but you were made in heaven. Many things they say made in China were not made in China, they were assembled here, but the idea came from China. That's why they say made in China. It does not mean assembled in China. It was not coming from the containers. The idea came and they assembled here in South Africa. The fact that you say you are not South African does not mean that you are not assembled here. But the idea of your being comes from God. So you are made in heaven. Assembled in South Africa. The earth is the Lord and the fullness I always tease you, you think I'm joking. I say, you are not looking at a foreigner. No. I say, no, that foreigner's church. I'm not a foreigner. Those two, they are not clever. No, there's something wrong with them. How can you call me foreigner when my father sent me any piece of land that belongs to him? This land you call South Africa is for God. And he's the one that sent me. And I'm his child. So by inheritance, this is my place. I'll tell it in front of everybody. I don't care. So you 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 are owner. You are owner. I say you are an owner. Come on, you are owner. Everything God has put it in your class is your own. You are an owner, you are owner can stand up and declare that. The hindrances will fall. So they want you to feel like you are stealing to be there. You are there by might. By strength. You are here by high authority. Heaven has ordained for you to be where you are. Who is the man that can say who when God has says yes? When I worked... I was never fired in my life. I always resign. You hire me, you have a problem. You can't fire me. I must decide when I want to go. (laughs) You know, the Lord graced me. And I'm not saying putting your CVs are wrong, but me, I never put a CV in my life. I was always called. When I finished and I got my degree, I was always called. I said, do you want to work? All the places I work on, I was called. The last place they even asked me, how much you want to, pay, to be paid? Eh? You understand? I didn't come in the ministry because I have nothing to do. <laughs> you understand? I, I started good. When we were dating, she went many to my office to see me. When I get there, the secretary said, there was a lady coming here. I know there's only one lady that can come like that. I said, oh, she was here. And then I called her. I said, were you here? Yes, come back. I'm here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when I decided to resign in that job, because I felt the call of God, it was hot, I didn't have any money anymore. And another company called me. And they said, we're going to give you a car. We're going to give you this and that. And she came and I said, my dear, we're engaged. I got an opportunity. She said, what for? To work. I said, you told me you are a minister. I said, yes. She said, what do you want to do with a job now? I said, it's for us. <laughs> she told me you are not working. You need to do what God told you to do. Yes. What a woman. <laughs> I'm not telling stories. She knows it's true. When I told her I want to go back to work, you said, "Listen, the Lord told you something. Sit with that. You do it before you talk to me about work." I'm not marrying you for work. What a woman. I gave up that big opportunity, that nice opportunity, because my fiancé was with me. And you say, I'm not in for money, I'm in for the will of God. Let's struggle together to see what God wants to do. That will you marry. You don't marry someone that says, if you don't have money, I can't marry you. Huh? Money. Look for Money. Your identity in Christ is the last thing that opens the door beside the presence. So tonight, God wants to break chains. We have like 11 minutes to go. We finish at 7.30. So God wants to break chains. Is it, isn't it too? You are laughing at me. You see, I made this in my house. They laugh at me. That's why. Okay. So go there, since you are laughing so much. <laughs> because she knows I will not stop there, but I have to say it. <laughs> we married for more than, for more than what, 20 years? 21 years. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. With all these goods. Oh, so I want you to get ready. You're going to call that shackle and that thing that hinder you to go. So that you may step in your destiny. There are things I'm still battling with. I'm not saying that to say about arrived. There are things I'm still battling with. There are things I know if I can deal with that, something bigger is going to happen. And I need to deal with those things. Amen. Most of the time, there are emotional things that you need to deal with. Hallelujah there are things I need to deal with because it triggers me. And I know when I'm triggered, it's not right. Because if something is not healed, you can be triggered with it. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's a journey. There's no, I have arrived. As here, if anyone feels he has arrived, he's a liar. No, I can tell you. Any man of God that tells you he has no flaw in his life, is a liar. Hallelujah. Somehow, somehow, we are all struggling with little things, little foxes that sometimes want to ruin the vineyard and we need to step on their head all the time. Say, no, no you don't do that. You know, somebody drove in front of me and you, I went out of my character. <laughs> and I have to repent a lot, I'm sorry. Because I was with my family. You want to kill my family? That one is dangerous. And you know what? I realize there is something I must work on there. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it's for all of us. Yeah. It's for all of us. Yes. The apostle dealt with things. Don't think that because they wrote there, they were perfect, everything. They didn't do did we anything. Can I tell you that Peter had a problem of anger? Hmm? Do you know how we know that his writings are short sentences? He comes here and says, be holy, for I am holy. No explanation, that Peter. John will come and explain to you, my dear children, in the beginning was the light, and the light was with God, and the light was God, and everything. Peter comes in here and says, be holy, for I am holy. Hallelujah! So it's not a shame To deal with stuff Because we want to go further with God So we are willing To deal with stuff Can we all stand up and pray before we go home And I want you to be open before God Say Father Every area in my life That there are still little foxes Deal with that Just pray Just pray just pray, just pray, just pray. Just pray.